This is the Backwater Hustle Fishing Podcast. so sweet just to be able to call your buddy up and say hey man come over and like burn me some tunes down you know yeah. and the intro right there by Mr. Paul Ivey great great intro yeah pretty cool today. yeah it's pretty I wish, awesome. I wish I could do that crap man well we did it we just didn't have to do it but we did it do what I can't play guitar like that can you doesn't matter we organized the guitar plan and it happened so that's the same thing still as wish doing I could it. play guitar like that same thing as doing it hey what's it's happening not the same thing as doing it but if you say so this is the Backwater Hustle Fishing Podcast, and I am here today with Captain Don Taylor Jr. What's up? What's up? What's up, America? I am Captain Ty McNeely, and we are here to entertain your shabby ass for the next 45 minutes to an hour. Why do you got to be shabby? I don't know. Why not? Where that can come from, shabby? Shabby ass. Yeah, what's your, yeah, what's your language on it? I think that'd be a good name for a lure. The shabby arse. The shabby, shabby ass. Shabby arse. Shabby ass lure company. I so hear you. What's happening, Captain Don? Man, I've actually been a little under the weather this week. It finally caught up with me after, you know, being out in the weather uh, so much here the, the last few weeks with the rain and the cold weather and the wind and et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera, et cetera. Got it. Yeah, so I've been a little under the weather, but all's well. Been fishing. Did a yeah. little fishing this week. Had a couple of charters and caught a lot of fish, actually. Yeah, and, that's good. Uh, just trying to get situated here in the studio, man. It's like every time I come in here, somebody's moved yeah. something, you know. Oh, that's or, good. We've only been prepping for this for about an hour now. And you're just now getting ready, so that's good. Well, I'm methodical like that, you know, so. That's okay. What you up to, man? How you been doing? Working, man. Trying to make a living. Keep it happy. Yeah. Right. Keeping keep what happy? Keeping it happy. It happy. It has to stay happy. Whatever it may be, it's got to Calling your other half it? Whatever it takes. It's got to be happy. I think you're calling your other half it. Okay. If that's what she wants to be, she can be it. Wow. Anyways, what else is happening with you, man? What are we talking about today? Uh, we're talking about fishing. Mm-hmm. Talk, let's talk about, um, you know. Well, we, that sounds boring. No, nah, it's not going to be boring. <laughs> I'm just kidding with you. So we, we've had some questions coming in. Excuse me. We have had a couple questions, which I can't believe. I had some questions by coming the, by in. By the way, folks, if you want to ask us a question or you know, get in touch with us, you can. Uh, we have a Facebook page. And we also have an email uh, page now. We have an Instagram page and a what else we have? Ty? We have a, Twitter, a, a Twitter account, and so email. We'll be posting stuff on all those things, and we'll give you the email addresses and all the other social links here shortly, so you can get in touch with us. But yeah, we have had a couple questions, and one of the big questions is when we're actually going to we're going to launch. Yeah, when we're technically launch. we've launched this technically, but yeah, we're going to be doing them. We're going to be launching them every Monday. If they're listening to this, this, they've already heard about eight weeks worth. Okay, right. So I'm just, okay. Is that what it is? Okay. Yeah, because this will be the eighth episode. Yeah, I'm just not really, not my IT, uh, I just wasn't sure on how it was going to flow out, so to speak. That's fine. All right. So maybe I I shouldn't have said that then, I guess, technically, huh? Probably shouldn't have, but that's all right. You can edit that, right? You did. No, that's good, man. Sometimes we just let you ramble. Well, somebody who's listening brand new. If if someone's brand new, then they need to understand that the show that they are listening to has been released already. Okay. 
I got you. Is that good? Yeah, that's fine. I was just saying, but it's going to be released every Monday. There was a new podcast coming. That's what I'm trying to say. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, every week. Once a week. This is your once a week weekly updated your fishing fishing podcast. Not to be confused with all the other lame-ass fishing podcasts out there, and I do mean that specifically. There's one out there. He knows who uh, we're talking about, and um, I... uh, he should call in and talk to us. And he this, knows. This is your fishing fix, though. So. Yeah. I don't know who the hell you're talking about, but I'll take your word for it. Yeah, he knows. All right. Okay. So uh, what we're going to talk about today is a little bit about everything. We're going to talk about some restrictions. We're going to talk about tides, mud flats, uh, salt water, you know, all those good things that help people fish. Salt water? Salt water. Well, you fish in salt water? Yeah, salt water. Okay. That, is that good? Sure. Um, maybe, depending on how the conversation goes, maybe talk a little... Uh, Mountain stream fishing, maybe. I got a lot of interest uh, coming from some fly fishing guys, and I want to give a couple I'll of shots. I'll be trying in the bathroom for that, for that that part of the show. That's all right. <laughs> well, we all have our place. Yeah. Uh, so we talk about restrictions. Something came up interesting this week. Um, talking about fishing in and around uh, closed-off areas, restricted areas. Oh, yeah. I, I had the pleasure of meeting some of the uh, United States Coast Guard's finest. Matter Hoorah, night. Coast Guard. Yeah, yeah, I, did, I, them, I did actually meet uh, a few of those fellows. Actually, they're very nice, to be honest with you. Glad they're out there. And, uh, yeah, that, that's a good thing they're out there. They check your papers? They did. Make they checked they check the papers. Card, and, uh, green card Green card away. was squared away, finally. That's good. And, um, 12 short years? 13. And they asked, uh, yeah, they did the whole boat routine thing, and I asked them for the, for the safety check sticker, but they said they did not get those out. That is the United States Coast Guard Auxiliary. And uh, but they did. We did have a little discussion about some of the boundaries here in the local area where you and I fish at quite a bit. Uh, the, right. You know, in the St. Johns River. Yeah. There are several islands, you know, islands, and there's a big base we have here. That's right. And they were trying to. Well, it was funny because one guy said, "Yeah, you can't be 200 feet from the shore." The other guy said, uh, "The other Coast Guard guy said, no, it's got to be 200 yards." So they they didn't have absolutely nah. any idea what they were doing. Perfect. So one dude calls himself Johnny on the spot and runs back, you know, and gets this thing out of his bag and comes back and hands me this laminated piece of paper. And it's got a big red line drawn on everything. And I said, well, okay, well, where's the yardage at and stuff? And it's nowhere on there. <laughs> so you, and my question to him was basically, I, since you, you, you as a captain and I as a captain, we have twit cards. And we're allowed to drive on any of those bases with our twit card. And... I said, well, I just don't quite understand the difference. If I can have a twig card, I can just drive my car right on your base, with no questions asked, pull up, flash it, go anywhere I want to go, uh, within, you know, discretion-wise. Uh, I said, but yet I'm out here, out here on the boat, and I'm in the water, and now I'm a twig card, but I can't be near it. I said, I don't understand that. And he said, well, they didn't really have, have a uh, clear understanding either why. I have an answer. Okay. Nope, didn't have, didn't have an answer. answer. Yeah, I, d- I didn't know that you could just go on base with your twig badge. I... Uh... I had tried to use it one time to go on another base and was told I could, that it was not an acceptable form of, of ID to get on the base. But, you know, who really knows? It's a government. They they, do they have folks, believe it or not. I, I was on 8th Street or Talleyrand, one of those places one day, and there's people that have, you know, just poster boards. And on the poster board written, like you would like a college football game sign. Yeah. It says, you know, Twit card. Escort. Escorts. Yeah. And these these people literally charge I mean charge like fifty or hundred bucks to the semi truck drivers or 
whoever else, I guess, that needs to come on the base, they charge them as a uh, they charge them a twit card escort. Yeah, to get fee. you on the port. Yeah, and it's crazy. Yeah, the bad thing about that for the the good thing for the truck driver is um, he doesn't have to go through that process, so he could be just about anybody and and get an escort. The bad thing that's the bad thing, isn't it? Well, not he could be anybody. It could be a he, terrorist. Or he something. could be anybody. That's right? my point. So the guy that's doing the twit escort becomes then responsible. For the driver and whatever he's carrying. Well, if they blow some crap up, he ain't got to worry about it anyways. But yeah, that's a good point. But I mean, still, that just the whole thing about I don't quite understand the whole theory behind. You know, you can't be two hundred yards or two hundred feet from a bank of this particular island, which they have cars on one side. Here's the even dumber thing: you can be on one side of the island without absolutely no restrictions, but yet you can't be on the other side of the island. You know, within two hundred yards of it. Yeah, it's government, I guess. Well, yeah. I totally disagree with it. But anyway. Yeah, I disagree. So it's uh, we, we should be able to fish it. And, you know, it brings you back to, to a discussion we've had a long time ago about the waterway rights and what's what should be restricted and what shouldn't be restricted in the state of Florida or anywhere for that matter. Uh, here in the state of Florida, we have a sovereign citizen law, which says uh, we can be in what's considered to be a riparian zone. Uh, so anywhere the high water mark is to low water mark is considered public property in the state of florida and Mm -hmm. if you are a florida resident with a valid florida form of id you have rights to that property that's right it does not matter if uh joe homeowner has uh mows that piece of property or decorates it with christmas lights or whatever he does to it you can fish it legally and there's nothing he can do about it except get mad and uh throw soup cans at you or whatever he's gonna do put stuff in the water around his dock yeah, they do that. Yeah, that's yeah. what I set up for. <laughs> yeah, I caught a shopping cart one time. Uh, up yeah, close yeah to they do that stuff. Yeah, well, that's, uh, you know, but no one's going to get them for polluting the waterway. No. So with restrictions, uh, it, it's a good topic to talk about. And you should obviously know if you're out boating, you know, where you can be and where you can't be, especially around some of these larger military bases. You know, you got some big boats coming and going. I, I get the whole military base thing. I, I truly it. do. I get it. Yep. Uh, just because of this, you know, your son uh, works on a military base. Yep. We have friends that work on the military bases, and I do, you know, get that for homeland, you know, security and just for the safety of everyone on the base. And so I, I completely get that. But, you know, there are some places, I mean, I know the one reason why the island I'm referring to, they do have a, it's a company, so it's not technically a military company, but it's a military contractor. Yeah. And they do have munitions and that sort of stuff ammunition munitions and uh so i get that to a certain extent right. but yet it's still not a um, military like mayport is here in our area right. well there's a you know a lot of uh, and a lot of this that came up this here recently came about because it wasn't it wasn't this way for a long time right you could you could fish anywhere you wanted along this stretch of bank uh just about however you wanted and if they wanted you out of the way they'd come tell you to move mm-hmm. and uh now they've actually imposed a restriction area around it and that's you know, so the point being is, if you're out on the water, be safe. Know what's going on. You know, don't. You you have to use the ignorance is not a defense type mentality when you're on the water, right? Right. Um, if you're in a boat, it, you know, it would behoove you to go check out the local notice local notice to mariners, right? It, it's published. I believe it's weekly. Nobody's gonna do that though. But I know Nobody. as captains, we're supposed to always have a copy of that with us. Right, and and I look at it all the time, and it's good to know. Yeah, and, me too. And it's going to. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you do. But it just tells you if there's, you know, a booty's been knocked over. I get, I get notifications on my phone sent to it. Do you? Yeah, really. I'm good. So you do look at it. I do look at it, seriously. All right. So that's about all the legal stuff um, I want to cover today. 
Um, coming up um, next week, I believe we're going to have um, Tim Stotter. Stouter. Uh, Stouter, excuse me, Tim, uh, in the live in the studio, and he is a uh, Heroes on the Water guy. He's going to inform us, enlighten us, uh, educate us on all the ways of the Heroes on the Water. So we can't wait to have him in the studio next week and uh, hear what Tim's got to say. It really is a great organization uh, that these guys uh, have going. And Yeah, Tim's a good guy. I fished with Tim on several occasions. Very, very knowledgeable. He's, he grew up in this area. A little farther south of us in the Palm Valley, Ponte Vedra area. Uh, he's won a lot of different – he's got some hardware. Uh, he's a kayak guy, of course, but he's got some hardware from the a lot of the big series and a lot of the charity tournaments here as well. And uh, He's a – he's a was a Marine or is a Marine. Was a Marine. Or, however correct. that works. Right, he, yeah, I think he yeah. is. He's probably – yeah, I think once you're a Marine, you're always a Marine. You're always one. He yeah. served, I believe uh, – he's out of the service now, I should say. Yeah. Okay. But uh, – yeah, he's actually, he actually works for like City Maker somewhere. But uh, very knowledgeable guy, very nice guy. Just don't get on his bad side. Yep. Big guy. He used to have a beard like you. Yeah. Big, big, fluffy beard. Good. But anyway, he's one heck of a fisherman. Smart, smart guy. Very obviously. smart. Yeah, very, very smart guy. Like very, I don't know about that, but right. very smart guy. Well, that's good. I can't wait to have Tim in here next week and uh, talk to him. And Yeah, I look forward to it too. He kind of, get, kind of educate us on. You know about heroes on the water, and it's, you know it's, it is really a good cause. And um, you know, I've, I've actually I've tried to <laughs> I've tried to line up a I've got a charter that I'm gonna take a guy out that's a former veteran, but it's just been hard getting our both our schedules to coincide, I should say. Right. But yeah, I look forward to that too. Tim will uh, you know, kind of give us the, the the who, when, why, where, what of the heroes on the water. You know. Yeah, it's good. So if you wanna you wanna reach out to uh, to Tim and the guys over at Heroes on the Water, you can always Google them. Uh, you can look them up on the website at heroesonthewater.org. You can hit them up on Facebook at Heroes on the Water Northeast Florida Chapter. Uh, you give those guys a phone call at 904-993-5366. Uh, that's about as toll-free as it gets. Uh, I believe they have chapters all over the United States. So somewhere along the line, if you Google your area along with Heroes on the Water, you'll probably find a, a local chapter or maybe... Tim can tell us how to start yeah, one. Not, if, yeah, I don't know not. if they're in all 50 states or not, though. Okay. I mean, I think they're pretty – I mean, I, you know, I have to do more information, but I will let him kind of tell us all that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I, I, do, but I, do, I do know they have several chapters across the country. And, yeah, okay. Um, you know, they have a website. You can go on and check it out, you know, www.heroesonthewater.org yeah. and so, that sort of stuff. So Yeah, so we'll leave that up to Tim to, to give us all the details on the breakdown on that. So we're, uh, we're finishing up uh, – you know, our winter, so to speak, we're kind of mid three quarters, seven eighths, eleven sixteenths of the way through winter, maybe. Um, well, our winter here ends in uh, I, I consider winter over in February. Yeah, don't you? The end of February. Yeah, yeah. So, with that being said, temperature, water temperatures are always a big topic. They're always a hot topic, and who, it, it, without electronics on the boat. You have absolutely no idea of knowing what the water temperature is. With electronics on the boat, you only know what the surface temperature is. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you're fishing in five foot of water or 10 feet of water or 20 or 30 feet of water, you have no idea what the water temp is. To me, it has to be one of the most, um, it's the most aggravating question for me when I hear someone ask, well, what was the water temp? Um, because you, who, who really, I can tell you the surface temperature, but that don't tell you nothing. Right. Tells you nothing. And uh, I'd be willing to challenge anybody on it that says, well, you can determine the depth of 10 foot to be 
X because the water surface water temperature is is Y. No, you cannot. It's it, that's is, not a. Is tr- there a, is there a uh, formula that they go by that says if the surface temperature is seventy and every so many feet or, or kilometers you go down or meters whatever it is you go down. It'd be cold it, as hell it, at kilometers. It, it gets colder, um, you know. Every let's say every five feet or every ten feet, it gets it drops so many degrees. No, there's not a like a theory or something. I don't think there is a formula. Yeah, I don't think so because there's so many variables that you know you got tide moving in and out in, in some places. There's a lot of stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that could affect there's that. Got, there's got to be some formula, though, I would think. I'm sure somebody's calculated with all, something. Yeah, with all but, the crap now that every time you turn around, somebody's yeah. got a new algorithm or a new yeah. theory or a new formula for something right. you know as a scuba diver that would be great because then you would know what you're getting into and um but you don't always have that information so if the hey if it's out there somebody call me up and prove me wrong man i'm willing to talk to you and uh if you're right um well then guess what you're right you're right yeah if you're wrong i'm gonna tell you you're wrong and uh if you're right i'm probably gonna tell you you're wrong so uh you better come with some <laughs> you better come with some good information that's not accurate if you're, if yeah. you're right we're gonna say thank you yeah just like how you say redfish maybe Right, yeah, redfish. Cyanopsis ocelatus. So here's a, yeah, here's a, whatever, God bless you. Mm-hmm. So here is a, a term uh, that we've seen here lately coming up on, uh, in some uh, fishing magazines and rags and newspapers, whatever you want to call it, thermocline. Mm. So, uh, thermocline, huh? thermocline. So what is a thermocline? Where do they exist? How often are they there all the time? Um, you know, what does it mean for me as a fisherman? What does it mean for me as a, a bait? Do bait hang out of the thermocline? Uh, is it like a thermo rest? Is it a thermo lounger? Is it what? I thought, it, I thought thermocline was a lure. I, I thought it was a jacket made by North Face. That sounds, that sounds about right. That sounds yeah. about right. One of yeah. their like, you know, one of their, their heavy, heavier, heavier, lightweight jackets. Yeah, sounds good to me. So gotcha. um, I brought up the topic. Now I'm going to let Captain Don tell you uh, exactly what it is. Um, cause I don't know. And, you, don't, um, you don't know what a thermal thermocline is. I know what it's supposed to be. What, what do you what, what do you think it is? It's a difference that. in temperature um, at depth. Um, it's a temperature variation in the water column. A uh, significant temperature difference from one depth to the other. That's basically what it is. It's just a uh, it's a thin but distinct layer, you know, in the water that changes. Uh, it could be in the ocean. It could be. It could be in the lake. Could be in a lake. Excuse me, um, but it changes more rapidly with depth than it does in the layers above or below. In the ocean, the thermocline divides the upper mixed layer from the calm deeper water. That's what it does. So it's basically the rapid change of temperature. Okay, is what it is. So as a fisherman, why do I care? Well, since you know, fish are, don't eat when it's uh, you know when they're hot or, or when they're cold or when it's windy or when it's raining or when it's or when it's. Uh... Wait a minute! Is this breaking news? <laughs> Hold on, this is breaking news. Fish don't eat when it's cold, or, or hot, or hot, yeah. extremely yeah. hot, or, or there's a front coming. Yeah, they don't. They don't eat in deep water. They don't eat in cold water. They don't eat in super you know, shallow in water. Super shallow water. So you know you gotta. If it's cloudy, that, you gotta find that perfect window. Yeah, prefrontal, postfrontal, frontal, frontal window to fish. Yeah. yeah, I think we've talked about this before. Anytime you're fishing, you are fishing in one of three frontal um, times: prefrontal. You're always fishing in the front, bottom line. Frontal or postfrontal. Yeah. So pre, anybody pre-postal frontal. Yeah. Anybody that says, "Man, I don't go fishing when it's prefrontal. I only go when it's postfrontal." 
Well, if you're at some point during post-frontal, it becomes prefrontal. So uh, There's always a front coming. There's always something going on. Well, I mean, you really always are. I mean, if you live like we do here in Florida, you're just a day away from it raining. So it's always a high-pressure front. 15, 20 minutes. Low-pressure front, high-pressure front. I mean, it's always a front coming through. So, Captain Don, with with the thermocline, does it say what the temperature difference has to be? Uh, for a thermocline to exist, is it one degrees or ten, or does it say five, four point six? It's uh, I'm sure it's some weird number divided by something. I'm gonna have to look that up actually. Okay. I'm not, I'm just not really. I just know I've, I've seen it. The rapid change is it's in between 100 and 1,000 meters, which that seems like a long way to me. 100 to 1,000 meters. Okay. And then after about 1,500 meters, uh, is the timber is always pretty much constant. In, in the water. In depth. In depth, yes, sir. Okay. All right. So, you know. All right. Well, while Captain Don looks that up, we're going to talk a little bit about spotted sea trout and um, why are they so important. And the answer is because they taste so good. They, they're just amazing. However, uh, if you live on the Atlantic coast and you catch uh, sea trout, you probably don't have this issue too much. But if you live over in the Gulf of, Gulf of Mexico area and you catch spotted sea trout, uh, they'll have worms. They can harbor worms over there, and it's because of warm water. There's a big mystery. I talked to a guy earlier this week, and he said, well, I don't understand what the mystery is. It's got to be from the oil spills, Ty. And uh, nope, it's not. It's because the water in the Gulf is warmer. The water in the Atlantic is colder. Whatever that magic number is divided by something else, it kills the worms in those fish uh, on the Atlantic coast. It doesn't in the, uh, in the Gulf coast. That being said, trout are part of the drum family, and drum get worms at a certain age, a certain size. Did you see that drum we caught yesterday? I did. Pretty good, man. Yeah, it's pretty good. He went real long, but he's a fat joker. It's good. I, I think he's about six pounds, they said. Yeah, they're coming in. That's that's when He's you, a fatty. Yeah, so when you see one that size, you know they're coming. They've been in the river now for a yeah, bit. He's, so he's a pretty good one, actually. We were kind of surprised. Yeah, that's good. So here in Florida, what's our trout regulation, Captain Don? 15 to 20, you can keep one over 20 inches. I say 15 to 20, that's 15 inches to 20 inches. Right. And you're allowed to keep one trophy fish over 20 inches. One over 20. One over 20, and you can keep six trout. Six. Per person. That's good. Mm-hmm. So, all right, that's good. So, why is that important? Um, excuse me, trout over 18 inches produce the most eggs. That's right. Yeah, trout. Pretty much over 20. Yeah, we're trying. Yeah. Well, I, I say I always say twenty, but I mean it is over eighteen. But twenty is like really the magic number. Yeah, they're they're putting them out there. They're they are the In ones the millions. that are, we would call those a breeder type fish, so to speak. Yeah, they're the fish that are actually and now all trout, even up to a smaller you know a smaller dink as we would call it here, eleven inch. Sorry for all you freshwater fly guys up in the mountains. Uh, you guys would shoot your wad for an eleven inch trout. I'm sure here in Florida. Those are dinks. We don't even take photos of them. Like bait. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Yeah, they're pretty much like bait. So 11-inch smaller dink trout, you know, they put out a good amount of eggs. Uh, moving up 15, but up to 18 and over, it's exponentially a lot more. So, um, you know, that's why we practice uh, conservation as much as we can. You know, we like to, uh, I know Captain Don and myself, we both do a catch, photo, and release as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a good thing to do. So... Uh, you know, and there's an art to it. Uh, you know, everybody you talk to today has got a got a system for how they catch a fish, how they photo a fish, how they release a fish. And um, there's a lot of important things that uh, I think everyone should should take from that. You know, if you're 
if you're landing fish, you want to get the fish in the boat. Obviously, that's the goal. Um, you know, your choice of dip net, you know, you don't ever want to lift the fish out of the water with your hook in, in your line. One, you break a rod tip doing that. Two, you're putting a lot of undue stress on that fish. Uh, best way, put them in a dip net if, uh, if you can. Get them in a dip net, usually a rubber dip net, knotless rubber dip net. And uh, you try to take the hook out while the fish is still in the water, in the net, in the water if you can. Use wet hands when handling the fish. Um, yeah, I don't like to grab them by the lip. A lot of guys do, and they hold them up, and a fish's body isn't designed for that. So that magic number um, divided by some other numbers around 10 degrees, if you're holding the fish's lip and his body's hanging more than 10 degrees, it's causing damage. So you should... You know, hold that fish is, you know, put one hand under its belly, put another hand under it to support it. That's the best way to hold it. Well, you know, I, it seems like to me that a lot of them, you just mentioned the belly. For some reason, you know, I'm sure somebody also can call us that's probably a lot smarter than us that knows everything about fishing. No, they can't. Um, but it seems like a lot of times when you catch a fish, and if you'll put your hands under their belly. Yeah. It's like that, almost like middle wave, if you will, like right behind their fins, their front two fins. Um it's funny because I hold them, and it's almost like they're in like they feel like they're in a a catatonic state. Catatonic state. state. No, uh, but no, it seems like they will. They'll get. They'll stay still. Yeah. And I don't know why that is, but I, I, I've started using uh, a wet rag. Yeah. If you like, like the when having the rag, you know, definitely saturated. And if you like, hold them with their wet rag. Sure. Uh, it seems to work really well when I release them. Uh, it just. You know, that way you're not, you know, you're not grabbing them all over. Now, I will grab them on the stomach and have to get the hook out, <clears throat> excuse me, the hook out and whatnot. But uh, I've seen some guys, how they'll just grab them and, and, you know, hold them and crank them and all that kind of stuff. And, I mean, some of them you have to do, but fish are resilient. And uh, obviously, somewhat. You need to, somewhat, yeah, you take care of them. I mean, I'm amazed at the fellow fish that you do catch. I mean, this week, we've caught a lot of trout this week. And just to see how their cartilage gets torn really easily, real easily. Yeah. And you can just tell they've been caught before. Yeah. Because they'll have, like, wide gaps. And in fact, speaking of that, it just popped in my head. I caught a redfish on Monday, and he had a circle hook, which I don't know how this happened. When I caught him, started looking at him, and he had a black spot on his left side of his gills. And as I was noticing it, so I pulled the, the gill back, part of his gill back, and I, saw, so I see the eye of a hook. And I'm like, that's odd. Yeah. So he opened up his mouth, and sure enough, he had a circle, circle hook, believe it or not, in his, you know, way down his, you know, throat. And the guy I was with on the charter with, and I was, he said, well, let's let's get it out. And I was like, why? I yeah. said, no, we're not doing that. He said, wasn't that bad for him? I said, didn't this fish just hit this look? You know, this right. this he's, bait. He's still eating. He's still eating. He goes, yeah. he goes, yeah. I said, it'll, it'll rust out pretty soon. But it was amazed. It must have been a three, maybe four alt circle hook. That was caught down in his throat. I mean, way down, you know, almost by his, behind his crusher pads. Wow. That far down there. Yeah, you know, like where his gullet would be, yeah. you know. And uh, but long story short, though, man, we so we released him, and he he, he, you know, he took off. But yeah. it's pretty wild to see that, that hook way down in there. It's, it's like, my point is it just, does, just shows you that if you have any doubt, and trust me, folks, a 99-cent hook or a dollar hook, it, it's just not worth killing the fish over, is my no. point. No, it's not. And you were you were talking something earlier earlier today. We were having a discussion, and you brought up stress on a fish, and mm-hmm. and most fish kills happen because of stress. Bottom line, yeah. and so when you catch that fish, he's under stress. It's no different than the 
you know, any, any other animal when they're running and they're, you know, they're fighting for their life, they're under stress and blood's pumping and lactic acids and all this stuff are building up. And uh, that's why you see a lot of fish when they get to the boat. A lot of times the fight's over, they just kind of let, they kind of roll over. And uh, that's why. And they, they pee all over you. Well, and that's not because, you know, some guys go, well, that fish been caught before. He just rolled over and knew what he was doing. Whatever. He knows the drill. Yeah, he knows the drill. No, that's not the case. The they're, case they're is. wore out. Yeah. The case is they're wore slap out. So yeah. the worst thing you can do at that point is take that fish and let him go right back in the water because he's going to die. So, and a lot of times you don't realize it. People catch them. They let them go. The fish drops down. They move on. The fish gets caught in the, in the tide or the current. And, um. Uh, He's down the river, and you never see him pop back up. You never see him, you know, die. So the best way is, you know. So, you, so, you, so you're telling me when you catch a, like, let's say a bull red. Now, I know that they're one of the fishes that will exert themselves, and so their lactic acid gets real, real high in their body. I understand that. Yeah. So you're telling me you think the worst thing that you can do is get him right back in the water? Yes. Really? Now, I mean, you should you should put him in the water guided. guided. You mean like revive the, him? Yes. The boat should be moving. There should be current flowing across his gills. And, and depending on the size of the fish and the level of exhaustion, it could be up to an hour. I mean, I've seen guys in a boat take 45, 50 minutes to, re- to revive a fish. Um, because without that proper um, revival, they're, they're going to they're gonna die. Now, I, I have had one that we spent a lot, about a 45-inch redfish that we've spent about 35, maybe probably, probably 35 40 or 45 minutes trying to re- revolve, uh, revive this fish and just could not get it to go. It would go and then flip upside down and then we go and then, and I mean, we, it got dangerous because it got dark and we about got hit by one of the tankers out in the river. Right. And it was myself and my cousin and um, one of his, his son. And, but we spent an enormous amount of time trying to get this fish to revive. Yeah. And last we saw, she just would not go. And that was after, you know, Vintner and everything else you could possibly imagine. Right. And just can't get her to go. But like redfish, they are like you said, they're one of the fishes that they'll they they'll fight so hard their heart will explode. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've heard that. I mean, we all know that. Yeah. And but it, it is close because of the high, you know, lactic acid that gets real high in their you know, their, their bloodstream and whatnot. But I've never heard about. It. I've I've always thought you know you need to get back in the water as soon as you can. Well, and I do. What I mean is. Yeah, I mean, you would want to put them back in the water to get that water flowing over their gills because mm-hmm. they extract the oxygen, obviously, from the water through their gills. So you'd want them back in the water, but you don't want to let them go right away. Now, you get a smaller, you get a fish that's still kicking and flapping, and, and you know he's still fighting. You put him in the water, and he takes off. He's probably okay. But, you know, those larger fish, like you just said, you know, you, you want to get them back in the water, but you want to revive them as, as best you can. Make so sure you don't think that really, honestly, that some fish know what the drill is, though? I mean, you don't think that they all, uh, you don't think they've been caught several times and they know what's happening? I don't don't, don't think so, so, really? I don't think so. Mm. I don't don't think so, just for this reason. If a fish understood, well, I'm caught again, it wouldn't have never took that bait. Well, they they don't necessarily know it's got a hook in it. They don't, you know. If they're smart enough to know they've been hooked and been drugged to the boat, and 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 what you're saying is they should just roll over, hey, guys, I'm hooked. I'm not saying it. I'm just asking. Yeah, I don't think so. That's my opinion. I don't think so. Okay. So anyway, so we were talking about this uh, cold water, cold cold spell, winter. It's what Mm -hmm. we're going through here. It's it's on its way out, but it's coming. I I still believe, like Captain Don, that February um, is our coldest month here in Florida, northeast Florida. Yeah, me too. Even though when you look at the weather charts, they'll tell you January is. However, I am a native Floridian. I have lived in Florida my entire life. 
That makes two of us. You cannot tell me if you're from Wisconsin or Indiana or anywhere else and you just moved here. You can't tell me you understand the weather patterns better than I do. <coughs> I just, I'm not going to buy it. So February. No, it just seems like to me. I may, I may have to come back and look at some of the, you know, the weather. The almanacs. Almanacs or whatever they are and kind of research that. But it does seem like to me that February is some of, is the coldest month. Yeah. Of the year to me. It does to me, too. I always say that we have two seasons here in Florida. We have summer and February. Yeah. Right? That's, that's I always me. say hot and hotter. <laughs> yeah, that's about yeah. true. <clears throat> so with that, we get colder water temperatures. Some guys, you know, think that the conventional wisdom is, you know, the water temperature, uh, cold water sends the fish into shock. Um, <laughs> you know, they just can't take it, and they freeze up, and that's why they don't eat. And there are there is some evidence of fish dying. You know, you got fish kills, and the fish die. And um, and those things because of the colder temperatures, and uh, you know th- those things are justified, I guess, and, and they're out there. Back to your a minute ago, we talking about thermocline. Thermocline. According to NOAA, the thermocline is the transition layer between warmer mixed water at the ocean surface and cooler deeper water below. That's exactly what they're okay. saying. And it's got it says on here. So it, says, that, it says like six. Read that one more time, Captain Don. A thermocline is the transition layer between warmer mixed water at the ocean surface and cooler deep water below. Okay, and so it, hold on. So you mean fish don't go deeper to find warmer water? No, I've never said that. Yeah, I don't, I don't Well, I know, that. but we've heard that before. Well, you hear it all the time, but... Yeah, okay. But what it's saying here, though, I guess it says, like the epiplegic zone, it says 660 feet, and then you got a, what it says thermocline, and it's a, then it says temperature decreases with ocean's depth, and then it says at the bottom it says th- you know three thousand three hundred thirty feet or one thousand meters, where it shows like it's at six hundred sixty feet it's, it's fifty five degrees, and then at thirty three hundred feet it's forty it's uh, thirty nine degrees or four degrees Celsius. So okay, so big. It's well, like, that's it's saying that this portion here is a thermocline. That's deep water. Right now, however, it's we that could transitional layer. We could experience thermocline in inshore. Sure you can. Um, yeah, the same way. Okay. All right. You know, if it's, you know, if it we're deep enough, so to speak, you know. But, yeah. And you would have fish, you would have bait fish and, and those things piled up on that thermocline, um, either trying to escape some colder water um, or uh, escape uh, or get into some warmer water or whatever along that line. And, um, you know, you see a tide rip sometimes out here in the river. It does say what you got to know. It says below, below 3,300 feet to a depth of about 13,100 feet, water temperature remains a constant. Oh, well, didn't know yeah. that, huh? Yeah, I ain't never caught no redfish, redfish that deep. Yeah, me neither. So, so anyway, what do you think about this? Um, what do you think about this theory that that um, game fish, that inshore game fish, go into this um, dormant state? What do you think about that? When the weather, when the weather's cold, when the water's cold, go into a dormant state. Yeah, dormant, and I don't want to use the word catatonic. Um, well, but, I mean, we're we're going to, we're going to talk to him, so and kind of, and I don't want to throw him under the bus by any means, right? Uh, until I find out what he actually meant by that, right? Uh, you know, and so I'm not, you know, your question is, do I think? What, what is your question? Do I think that fish, because the water's colder, or the winter, while the water gets cold outside, or the winter gets cold outside, the weather, I should say, that the fish all of a sudden go into some magic hibernation state where they don't eat? Yeah, don't you ask me? Yeah, no, no, I think it's bullshit. Okay. I'm agreeing with you on that okay. one. One of the few things we agree with on this show, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Backwater Hustle Fishing Podcast. Yeah. 
I am Captain Tom McNeely. I'm here with Captain Don Taylor Jr. And uh, I agree. The uh, cold water, um, here, here is, here's what I think. And it's not really a thought. I've done some research on it, so it could be based on some fact and based on some opinion. Uh, fish have to breathe. We all understand it. They've got to breathe. Very few fish take oxygen from the air. Um, Do any of them? Yes. Sometimes when they're little? Yeah, well, our favorite bait for redfish. Mullet does. I mean, or mullet does. I know. I know pogies will. Yep. When they're little, but I'm talking mud about minnows. Mud minnows will. But for those of you in Louisiana, that is a cockahoe minnow. Same thing. Some cockahoes. Cockahoes. Yeah. So those bait fish will uh, take. Um, yeah, mom's a cockahoe. Oh, they'll, they'll take oxygen straight from the straight from the surface. Um, outside of that. All the other fish have to breathe, and they get their oxygen out of the water mm-hmm. uh, in the form of dissolved oxygen. Right. Cold water holds more dissolved oxygen than warm water does. Correct. Therefore, it's easier for the fish to breathe. They don't have to move as much to gather oxygen. So they can sit in one, they can move less and get more oxygen across their gills in the winter in cold water than they can in warmer water. Warmer water, they have to be more active to force more air, more water across their gills. So that would be why they would be more active in Would Would then translate that into fishing terms then? Okay, in the fishing terms, the fish don't have to move as far to find, uh, to. they don't have to move as far to survive, to breathe. So they can sit in one spot longer. They don't have to, you know, in, in one, and I don't know how what distance they cover. Let's just use a number. Let's say a fish will cover in uh, in the summertime, with higher temperatures, he'll cover... Uh, three miles. Okay, three miles. Um, and he's doing that to so he can breathe. I mean, he's swimming so he can breathe. That's the reason why he's swimming, is to breathe. Well, while he's breathing, he's using energy. And because he's using energy, he has to eat. So when he eats, he refuels, right? So um, the more he eats, I mean, the, the more he has to swim, the more energy he burns, the more food he has to find. So, so, you're, so you're, let me just, for all us dumb folks out there, not me, of course, I'm talking to you guys. Um, so you're saying when the water is cold, that there's plenty of oxygen in the water. Therefore, the fish does not have to move in order to find oxygen or clean oxygen. And therefore, their need to move around a lot to find bait is not necessary, as opposed to when the water is hot, they there's not as much oxygen in the water therefore they have to be on the move constantly to a uh, find new oxygen or oxygen and b because of their moving like that they're burning their metabolism their metabolism is up so therefore they have to feed more because they're burning more uh their metabolism is higher is that correct is that what you're saying to me yeah i think that's what i said to you they're their in their caloric intake um, maybe is different during uh, the summer than the winter, right? Everything you just said, yes, I agree with. <laughs> Do you even know what I just said? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, no, we're, not, we're just basically trying to. I, no, I'm basically just saying. You hear folks that say when the water's cold, that fish don't eat, and then you hear people say that because of the cold weather, they get locked jaw. Right. And so my point, I, I'm trying. I, th- I think you're making is, if I understand you correctly, when the fish are cold, there's more oxygen in the water. 
Therefore, they don't have to move as much to find oxygen. Right. Their metabolism obviously slows down. So, therefore, their need, they're still going to eat, but their need to eat as much is decreased because of the slower metabolism rate. Right. Is that what yeah, you're trying to yeah, say? because they're moving less, so their metabolism's less. So, okay. So, all with right. all that being said, how does that translate to fishing and catching fish? Well, that means you have to be a little bit more specific on... Now, with, with that being said, certain types of fish tolerate certain water temperatures better than others. That is a true statement. That's a fact, yes. So, you I, have I, to... You can't take a tropical snook and put him in 40-degree water. Right. Correct. Right. Okay. Well, you can. He's just not going to live He's not going to live, yeah. Right. So, you... First thing you have to do is understand the fish that you're out there trying to catch. You got to understand the fish, where he lives, what's his environment. Just and it's no different for those of you out there that are rolling your eyes and think if you're deer hunters or turkey hunters or deer, I mean bear or wolf or whatever you hunt for, you got to go find their habitat. Good for you, man. Yeah, good for them. But they, you got to go find their habitat. And you read about these animals. You know what they eat. You know how they bed down. You know what affects them. Um, you know, and all these things. It's fishing's no different. So if you if you target a certain fish, you got to know what that fish's uh, characteristics may not be the right word for it, but you got to understand that fish. So if you're fishing for redfish, you got to understand that the redfish loves a certain temperature zone, um, whatever that may be, fifty eight to sixty four, sixty four to sixty eight degrees. Hoping that first of all, first of all, fish are all different anyways because of that. You can't just specifically say, you can use redfish as an example, but as we, we've said about it, said this earlier in a previous podcast, all fish have swim bladders, and so therefore their, 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 their swim bladder is also going to dictate, you know, what level and what depth of water right. they like or they prefer to stay in, okay? And that may be why a lot of snook die off uh, so, so quickly here, because they just can't regulate it at deeper water for some reason. From what I understand, the snook are dying because anytime you have an extended period uh, if it comes on, like the biologist who we're going to have on here, I should say she's not a biologist, but she's a POI for FWC. Her statement was um, that if it's real sudden, uh, it can shock their system. But it's more it's more along the lines of an extended period of cold as opposed to right. all of a sudden you wake up tomorrow and it's 35 degrees. Right. That they can They can manage that, but when the water temperature is an extended period of time, at 40 degrees, that's what they can't. Yeah, but does the, if we know above the water surface, the temperature drops 15, 18, 20 degrees overnight, mm-hmm. right? Every uh, Probably everywhere. I'm not real sure, but here in Florida, it could be 80 degrees uh, during the day, and it'll be 65, 68 at night, okay? But that doesn't mean the water temperature dropped that quick and that fast. Um, so the water the water temperature is not as affected as fast as the air temperature. Well, yeah, of course. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Got so it. a snook, if if you if we're applying some logic here, I hate using a snook though because I mean I'm not a real big. I mean I catch snook, but it's not like one of our main game species that right. we target. I mean we have some of them here in our in the Jacksonville area. I just don't feel like that I'm a. I guess we can talk about snook because we have seen a lot of them dead here recently, which has been a sad thing. We're not snook experts. Yeah. Well, I don't think I'm an expert on anything, but. Uh, as far as what I target on a daily basis, snook right. is not one of them. But because we have seen a lot of dead snook, I mean, I think it's worth. I mean, first of all, I think it's you know it's paramount. We talk about it, right? 
just because, you know, it, it sucks to see all those dead. I mean, some 35, 30, you know, I mean, really, really good snook that are dead, and it makes you wonder, you know, why what's killing them. Right. Also, I've seen a lot of dead mullet. Well, you, well and you got to think, do can those fish regulate to get into to warmer water, right? Because why would they, you know, I, I don't think. Apparently they can't. Well, right. So I don't think the, the water temperature argument, um, I don't think the water temperature drops so dramatically to catch these fish off guard. Yeah, I, I don't think that's what I said. I don't, that's why I said uh, it's not that it drops dramatically so fast, but it's, it's, it's the sustained. Uh, sustained cold temperature. Right. And I guess for whatever reason that they're not smart enough or biologically not set up to, okay, this water is now 38 degrees. I need to go a little deeper, go deeper or, or go. It may not get, you know, deeper here. Right. Or it may not be, but I can go south or whatever the case may be. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Or maybe where their, maybe their habitat is only a certain depth of water. You know, maybe they only, maybe they only I live mean, I, in I can check into it and, and look, but does he want yeah. to, I like to have people that are experts on here. Yeah, I would too. I'd like to have somebody that could talk about it. So. I mean, we can talk about it all day. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. You know, but I'd also like to have like somebody, like a doctor or a biologist come in and say, uh, this is why. The main reason why snook or other, uh, you know, fish in this particular inshore area or offshore area die, you know. Right. Yep. Yeah. And that um, makes sense. No, it does, and I think it's good information because they have we have fish kills everywhere. A lot of times we understand why the fish kill happens because of humans, um, algae blooms or whatever, and um, it's not the algae itself that actually kills the fish, but the lack of oxygen that gets put into the water mm-hmm. because of the algae. So. Right. Anyway, all right. So we um, we've discussed um, thermoclines. We've discussed cold water. We've discussed depth. And snook, snooks, and and we're not expert at snook. So if you're an expert on snook or you catch a bunch of snook, then by all means, uh, hit us up on social media, email, something, phone calls. We don't care. Let us know. Uh, we'd love to have you on the show and discuss it. Um, yeah, I've got some guys that I know that pretty big snook. Uh, Slayers over in the west coast of Florida, and I think they can. I'll, I'll get in touch with one of those guys and either have them on the show and get some input from them on how the water temperature affects them and the, the habitat that they prefer and all that kind of stuff. Sounds great. That's, that's good. That's what we need on this show. This is the Backwater Hustle Fishing Podcast. So we, um, we discuss all these things. We are the Backwater Hustle Fishing Podcast, aren't we? We are. And by the way, you can reach us at our website is uh, backwaterhustle.wordpress.com. Uh, if you want to email the show, you can hit us up at uh, bckwaterhustle at gmail.com. We have a Facebook page, which will have me and Ty's uh, smiling face in the place. Sweet. But it's uh, Backwater Hustle, the fishing podcast on Facebook. And we also have an Instagram link. At, at BCK Water Hustle. That's at BCK Water Hustle on Instagram and Twitter. Twittergram's actually at Backwater Hustle spelled out. Twitter. 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 That's yeah. right. So if you want to shoot us something or say, hey, dummies, you don't know what, you don't know what you're talking about when you're referring to Thermocline or Snook, uh, feel free to let yeah, us know that. By all means. And you know what you're going to get rewarded for that is you're going to get asked to be on the show. All I'm going to do is just give you the finger, but that's about it, you know. Well, and then we're going to ask you to be on the show. Right, exactly. And then we're going to give you the finger. Then I'll make fun of you the entire time we're on the show. Anyways. So the, the thing for me about bringing up this topic today about the cold water and all these things is that, Donnie, you and I fish together a pretty good bit. And I know you're pretty lucky, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, we're all right. So, and, you know, we both run charters and we both, you know, we well, I don't run charters. I run a fishing guide service. 
and um, I, I know you do too. And charter just seems the easy word. Everybody knows fish and charter. Um, I just catch fish, man. You know, we go out, we catch fish. You know, we take clients out, we catch fish. And it it, it appears here locally where we're at, um, the fishing has slowed down. There, there's just a few guys that are out there consistently catching fish. But for the most part, uh, most people, I mean, I know guys, I've talked to guys this week that says, oh, I just put my boat up. I don't, I don't even, I won't even break it out until 1st of March. Let me ask you a question. Okay. So be prepared for this. Do you think that no. fishermen, whether it be professional fishermen, guides, bait shops, well, probably not bait shops, but I won't lump them into it, but folks in the fishing industry that are professionals now, that they use the cold weather, cold water, as an excuse for why they do not put fish or more fish in the boat. Yes. See, I thought, I thought you'd change your mind there. Yeah. And I've um, thought about that long and hard since last week, and I didn't know if they use it for a crutch because... Everything that you and I have looked up, we've researched, gone out and field tested. We know. We have found that to be pretty unequivocally BS, okay? And I do run fishing guides full-time, and as you know. And I've caught fish in 38-degree weather this past week. I've caught, we've caught fish in 40-degree weather, 25-mile-an-hour winds. The water temp, 42 degrees, all the way in the 40s, right. from 40 to 50 this whole entire last couple of weeks, and caught fish the whole entire time. Well, we fished with um, Jeff Altman. Trapper Jeff a few weeks ago, yeah. and it was cold enough that I had to chip ice out of the plug hole to put my plug in the boat, and we caught stud redfish that day. It was that way on this past Saturday. Yeah. I'm sorry, it was that way yesterday, as a matter of yeah. fact. So it's... To me, it's the weather becomes almost irrelevant. If you if you hustle for well, those no, fish, not, not irrelevant. But is it is it a crutch though? For people? yes, it is. That's that's what it I'm you know, trying to get at. It is that why you? And I'm trying to I'm trying to back it up into this. So I'm trying to preface it by, right. by saying, you know, growing up, you know, learning how to fish, you know, by other fishermen, being around other fishermen. And once again, we're not we're not trying to rub the fishing industry raw or make anybody look bad or have this major disagreement with folks. But the idea, because I've been taught, you know, oh, it's cold weather. I've been taught about always being a front's coming, or you're during the front, or it's too windy, or you know, ten thousand excuses as to why a you're not going to catch fish, you know, or b. Now I will say, it is different when you're fishing with lures. I, I will give them that because I've had it happen. You don't catch the numbers with fishing lures that you will with live bait. Right. But you still catch fish. You and still we, catch fish. We've discussed that before. Right. And it's because if you're a fish and you're being picky on what you're going to eat, mm-hmm. you're going to eat something that looks more like a bait fish than not. And I don't care. The best casters, anglers, fishermen out there cannot manipulate a bait well enough to mimic a bait fish. A, a live bait can't mm. do it. You may be able to get close, but there's something different. There's smell, some, the smell. There's something different. Well, I still think it's that that predator fish sees that artificial, and he may make a move for it. 
Well, you as the angler, you don't realize that the fish made a move for it, so you're still doing your little cadence, your twitch, twitch, jerk, reel, twitch, twitch, jerk, reel, whatever. And in reality, if that was a live bait fish, why you did stick it, brother? He would have took off. But anyway, okay, let's let's get back on topic here. So, the, but the point I'm making is, you get, you get how about the word conditioned? You get conditioned to hearing all these excuses, excuses, excuses. Yeah. and. Part of this show, you and I have gone out and are indeed, and we pretty much tr- we've tried to test a lot of the, and not that we're the smartest guys because we're not, and not that we're trying to totally go against the grain because we're not. But if there's something that he, Ty, and I have grown up, and we've been taught that this is going to work, this is not going to work, we're now, you know, the next. As long as we do this podcast, we're putting all those theories to the test. Yes. That's kind of, that's kind of like the basis behind this podcast. We're trying to help everyone out there listening become better fishermen. Sure. Well, absolutely. That, that's plain, the, end, that's the end goal, yeah. Yes. But in the meantime, but we're also trying to put all these misnomers, if yes. you will, to the test to see if they actually hold any water or not. Right. And so far, we've found it to be... We are uh, we are the fishing mythbusters. Right. Well, I hate to say that because I hate that show on television, but yeah. yeah. I mean... And let, me, and let me just break it down for folks also. Go ahead and break it down. The biggest thing when you're fishing, boom, said it before, boom, boom, a little faster. Boom, well, you, well, you got to know where the fish are at. No, you, you, that's the bottom line is you have to know where the fish are. You got and, and as a weekend angler, that's the hardest part when you're fishing because fish move, as we all know. And I don't give a damn if the water's cold, if it's hot, raining outside, cold outside, windy outside. The fish are going to eat at some point during the day. Fish got to eat, and you and you got to know where the fish are at, and that, that's the biggest thing. Guys go out and have a bad fishing trip because their favorite spot where the fish have moved, you know, half a mile down the creek, twenty yards, three hundred feet down the creek, three hundred yards. Whatever. You know, think, it happens to all of us. It happens to me all the time. Yeah, but think about it. If if you're casting range, if you're used to coming up on a spot and you're sitting on this spot and you cast out 25, 30 yards, it drops down to the bottom. And you're catching fish there, and that's your honey hole, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Rarely does do people ever even do they ever even turn toward the bow of the boat or the back of the boat or to the other side of the boat to see what's over there. They pull up, they park in the same spot, they throw their their bait in the same direction at the same same way. And if they don't get hit, they don't get hit. Well, I, what I've tried to do just like this past this Monday with uh, with Paul who did, who cut some music for us uh, the Saturday before. I mean, I've tried to get my clients to learn how to jig. Yeah. You know, instead of this, instead of the same old, go out to a spot with your Carolina rig and throw your bait out there, let it sit on the bottom, and then hope a fish comes by and eats it. Right. And I think the more folks that we can, you know, you can you can teach them when you're doing a, a guide and I'm doing a guide or doing a trip. If you can teach those folks how to jig a little bit, yeah, they can cover so much more water, which is going to make them so much. Uh, 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 a fisherman that's ten times as good as what they were before. Yeah, I think. So. And that's just well, I mean, there's nothing about it because you're covering yeah. more water. Well, you're going to have to cover more water. You're covering, when it's you may get hung, you may get snagged, you may lose some tackle, but the bottom line is you're covering more water. Yeah. Which is giving you more opportunity to have your bait from a fish. Right. I mean that whole thing about. Can't, can't run and gun. Well, 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 well Captain Don, the water's colder, so you can't run and gun. You got to be slower. You got to be slower. Yeah, you got to slow down. The bottom, but you can still cover water by jigging, though. Don't you I, mean? I agree. But I mean, you, you can still run and gun, and you can always let your bait dead stick it. Or you know, the more times you put it from a fish's face, the better opportunity you're gonna have catching a fish. This is bottom line. I'm not a real big fan of dead sticking. I know it's effective. I know it works. When I say, uh, what, what do you mean by dead sticking? Maybe I mean the way I dead stick it. Or are you talking about something different? 
Well, I'm talking about dead sticking and just letting it sit. No, no, I, I don't know. Let sticking. it sit. I'm talking about, you know, that, I mean, when I say dead sticking, I mean, throw it up in the current, let the current move it, you know. That's kind of yeah, that's kind that's, of dead sticking, really. I call it drift. That's I call that drifting. But okay, regardless, you're using, matter. Regardless, you're letting you're letting the current do all the action, create yeah. all the action. You're letting the natural come through the water. And several of them, the last trips I've been on, they were all real surprised I was doing that with the cold water stuff. Yeah, but after we caught thirty fish one day and forty five fish right. the next day, they were all blown away and they're like, "Man, I'm gonna start doing this now." Well, that's why you should. I mean, think about what you just said. If you're sitting in your boat and you're casting. You're just casting up toward the bank, and you're reeling it back. Let's let's just, or you're throwing it out, and you're sitting on the bottom. Okay, my version of dead sticking. You're throwing it out and letting it sit there. I'm only I'm only covering that ground right there. I mean, within maybe one square foot of where my bait's at, do I have any chance of catching anything? By fishing the way you're talking about, you're you're dead sticking or my drifting. You throw it up the current. You got a good 25, 30 yard cast, 40 yard cast. Now you're covering all that water back to the boat. It makes absolutely sense to me. I mean, I've fished that way. We both fished that way. We've caught good fish doing it like that. Um, I don't think the cold water, I do think the cold water maybe um, makes it some, maybe it's a little tougher to fish, but I think you and I have proved over the last four or five trips that you and I have been on together, we've probably put 300 redfish in the boat, maybe even more than that. Um, and I don't even know how many trout. I, I, I wouldn't even well, no, I hazard a, guy, a guess. I had a guy ask me this past Saturday in my uh, buddy's birthday party. He, he had just seen my post from the last four or five or three or four trips I've been on. And he said, what have you caught? Probably 200-something trout in the last couple of trips. And I said, at least. At least, yeah. And, and the thing about the trout, the trout now we're catching, they're all 15 to 19. And, you know, you'll pop so a couple of them that are. But, I mean, our average trout right now is about 16, 17 inches and about two and a half, three pounds. Yeah, they're getting bigger. I mean, they're getting bigger. I mean, they're a blast because it's nonstop yeah. action. So and they're really aggressive. But, anyways, we'll get off topic there. But No, we're, we're not. Let me ask this question. Sure. When, when is the red? When do the redfish uh, spawn? Red redfish spawn in late October, November, and December. Okay, so when? Uh, and yeah, I don't pre-spawn in October. They pretty much spawn out in November, all, all November, and then they move out to the ocean. The big ones now they move out from the uh, creeks to the river into the ocean okay. in December. So they 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 move up into the the creeks, the estuaries. And um, have a good time. And, Depending on the size of them. And then yeah. dump their babies, yeah, right? right? Okay. Correct. Uh, and then they move out. So I don't know the gestation period of a of a, a redfish. Um, I mean, the, how long do they stay in, uh, you know, as a as an egg before they turn into a minnow and then they swim on up? Yeah. Dad, I can't remember. I, I, I don't I know what that, that is. So, but what you just told me was that these redfish – uh, they dump their babies off in the estuaries in the early, the late fall, the early winter. Late winter. Okay, late winter. December. Right. December. Okay, well, December 21st, the first day of winter. Well, they, I know they start, they start spawning out in, in early December, and they spawn home at the December. Okay, so. Unless I'm, I mean, that's what I, it's December. That's right. So these, these fish are born in December, and they grow. And you'd read me something the other day where they grow pretty fast their first uh, first few months or whatever yeah. of life, which amazes me. If the fish don't eat in the cold weather, um, or how, how are they growing? How are they growing? Exactly. Right. So that I'm just trying to close the loop on that in my mind. Um, if that makes someone else think, in my mind, it's the fish. The fish are always going to eat. Fish are going to eat. They're going to eat no matter if it's once a day, twice a day. You know, the bottom line, the bottom line behind this whole show right here is the fish are going to eat. They have to eat 
They may not eat as much during a, during the cold, cold weather, but they still got to eat. They may not eat two times. They may eat just once. You know, but their metabolism may go up. It may go down. The oxygen may be more. It may be less. But the bottom line is they're going to eat. If it's 38 degrees or 78 degrees, they're going to eat. They're going to eat. And yeah. that's why it's so important about doing your homework, knowing where the fish are at, you know, to kind of to kind of close up here, you know. Yeah. Is they got to eat. You do your homework. You know where the fish are at. Find out what they're eating. You know, match the hatch, so to speak. And then kind of set your fishing pattern to the temperature. So to, to the temperature. Yeah. If it's colder, you know, you naturally you want to you want to you want to fish slower. Obviously. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, you have to. that's where live bait is really good. If you know, if but even lures, I use lures in the term last Saturday, and yeah, you move. You got you got to move slower. I mean, yeah. that that's common sense. Yeah. And the reason, and we're talking about this to help you make a, make you a better fisherman, and the reason behind why the fish are doing what they're doing. With it being cold, you want to fish slower because they are. They don't have to move as much. Right. You know, when the wind is hot, they don't mind moving all around. They're moving around anyway. Yeah, they have to. They have to. Yeah. So, so they're doing it. So, therefore, you have a better opportunity of putting your bait in front of more fish because they're, they're more fish moving around. Yeah, that's right. And when it's cold, the bottom line is that when it's cold, they don't have to move as much. You get your bait near him. Uh, if it's he's going to eat it. He's going to eat it. Yeah. And so that's, that's all we're trying to say today, yeah. Shep, pretty much. Yeah, I, I get it, and I agree with it, and all of um, everything else we've talked about. You know, if you're one of these guys that say, well, I'm, I think from my personal experience and talking with my dad recently about this topic, my dad said we didn't go fishing when I was younger in the winter because it was too damn cold, bottom line. And, you know, as a kid, you don't want to hear that because you'll go outside in the rain and thunder. Making excuses for we making excuses. excuses for us as people, right? Not not for the fish not for species, the fish. exactly. But I was told by my father the fish don't eat in the winter, and that was his way of getting me to just shut up about it instead of trying to go fishing when it was and cold. So what do you do? You grow up just like our you show a couple weeks ago. Oh, the, the, there's a cloud coming in, so the barometric pressure is dropping, so therefore the bite is going to be on. Yeah. Speaking of barometric pressure, Man, the bite's always on, and uh, how the barometric pressure affects uh, fish and fishing, uh, we have a um, we have a guest that we're gonna we're gonna schedule up here in the next uh, week or two. I know we got to do uh, heroes on the water. Tim Sider's coming next on, week. and then and also the, have another gentleman coming on uh, from uh, he's, he's another guide down south, and we're gonna talk to him about fishing patterns and that kind of stuff down south, uh, and, and some cold water too. Uh, I don't want to say his name yet until we have him 100% yeah. confirmed. Yeah, so in the next few shows, we're going to have... Uh, Dr. Ross on. Yeah, Dr. Ross. He is a retired um, a doctor. Uh, he retired from the uh, Woods Hole Oceanographic Institute, and uh, he wrote a pretty intriguing article um, uh, on the pressure myth and how... Um, We've already discussed this topic, though. Yeah, yeah, we have. But this is, it's new, it's upcoming. You know, people that uh, they may have not listened before, and, and now we're getting closer to having him on. So, okay. just a future notice, uh, we're going to be having him on here in the next few weeks. So, uh, that's all we got for today. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to let Captain Donnie tell you uh, how to get in touch with us here, real quick. And, uh, oh, well, thank you, Mr. McNeely. Thank you very much. Go ahead. No, I'm just kidding, folks. But yeah, check us out our website. We're at uh, backwaterhustle.wordpress.com. You can email us with a question or comment at bckwaterhustle at gmail.com. Our Facebook page is Backwater Hustle, the fishing podcast. You can check us out there, pictures and of fish and whatnot. 
And then on our Instagram page, we got Instagram at BCK Water Hustle. That's at BCK Water Hustle. We've actually launched some stuff on Instagram, so if you would, send us your, cool, your coolest fishing pick. We'll hashtag it to hashtag BCK Water Hustle. Hashtag BCK Water Hustle. We look forward to seeing all your big, cool fish pictures. This has been the Backwater Hustle Fishing Podcast. From the FTMF Studios in Northeast Florida. See ya. See ya. That's all they is, Captain Donnie.